Hey, so let me ask you a question. How many of you would like to be in a marriage where you're married to somebody that knows everything? Uh, no, no, they really, really do know everything. They truly, no, they don't think they know everything. They really do know everything. In addition to knowing everything, um, they're always right. Okay, so now you're married to somebody who knows everything, and they're always right, okay? Some of y'all, I'm looking at smirks on your face. They're like, please don't call on me. Please don't call on me. Please don't call on me. You're going to get me in so much trouble, man. But literally, you're, you're married to a person that knows everything, and they're always right, and, and, and they never make a mistake. They're perfect. Literally, they're perfect. They're always right. They know everything. And they are almost like they're omniscient or omnipresent where no matter what you do, they catch you. They catch you always doing. So I'm looking at some of you guys who are like, if I, I could take pictures of your faces right now. It's not talking about your marriage here, all right? We'll just open it up there. But you're married to somebody that knows everything, somebody who's perfect, somebody who always gets it right, someone always catching you doing the wrong thing. No matter, no matter what you do, it's going to be wrong. Can you imagine being in a, in a relationship like that? And... Uh, uh, in, in, in fact, uh, again, you know, we can all identify kind of with that, okay, because God puts opposites together, but I'm not talking about that relationship. I'm actually talking about your marriage to the law when you come into this world. This balloon represents your marriage to the law. And every single person who comes into this world, as we've been learning in the book of Romans, chapter 6, they're born into Adam. Because of Adam's sin, everybody inherited a sin nature. You know you're a sinner because you sin. You know you're a dog if you bark. You know you're a cat if you meow. You know you're a sinner if you sin. And you know the end result is death is what he says. And everybody comes into in this world born into Adam's family with those consequences. And you're like, that's not fair. But because he put it all on Adam, he could one day put it all on Christ. And you don't have to stay in that family. You can be born again into a new family. But in chapter 7 of Romans, Paul takes it to the illustration of a marriage. And he says, you guys are married to the law when you come in. And what the law is, the law is good. We'll, we'll see that. I probably won't get to that. I have the whole outline on Facebook, and we have the whole outline here, but we're probably only going to get to, to verse 6 today uh, in reality of this. And, and this is the point that I want to make to you guys, is that if you're born again, you're not married to the law. The, the law is perfect. The law is not wrong. The law is, is always right. The law shows you where you're wrong every single time you are wrong. How many of y'all want to be in a relationship? Is that, are you looking forward to getting married one day, Austin? No, I'm not saying now. I'm just saying one day. One day. Sophie, are you looking, one day, is there a, dream, a desire to get married one day? Do you want to marry a guy who's always right, who always catches you doing wrong? No matter what you do, it's wrong. It can't be right. And they're actually right because you are always wrong. It's, is that a great, is that what you hope for your daughter, Terry? No, not at all. And, and in fact, that's not what God wants for us. So that is what we marry into. When we come into this world in the family of Adam, we are married to the law. It's God's law. God gave it to Israel. In fact, this principle is true even before the law. We learned through uh, justification through faith with Abraham earlier. But, but the, the, he gave it to, Abraham, to uh, Moses to really show them, hey, this is how you can love me. This is how I want you to worship me. This is how I want you to show you love me, love me by obeying all of this. But he says, you're not going to be able to do it. And, and, and the idea was one day they would realize, dude, I can't do it. I want to obey you. I want to do the right thing. But I need, what's the four-letter word that begins with H and ends with L? Help me out. One, two, three. Help! How many of y'all have had to say help to God this week? You, you should. Otherwise, you need to listen hard to this message because that's the thing. So often we are... You know, we, we forget that we're living, that we're married to Christ and we're not married to the law. So the law has it, it. God's rules cover everything and you cannot get it right. 
You might get it right a little bit here, but then your intention was wrong. You never get it right, and the law will always let you know that you're wrong. And if this is where your marriage is, dude, how many of y'all want to live in a marriage like that? Anybody? Y'all, I got y'all scared now, man. Y'all ain't raising your hands for nothing. Nobody wants to live in a marriage like that. Nobody wants to be. And in fact, if you can't get out of the marriage Guess what? It's kind of like those couples say, oh, we never fight. And I'm like, you never live together. <laughs> you guys never hang out. It's like, no. It's like, if this is really what your marriage is like, you don't want any part of it. That's why lost people don't want to come to church, y'all. Because they already know inside the law is there. They already know. And they're like, I'm going to be told I'm wrong. I'm going to be wrong. I don't want to be wrong. I'm already wrong all the time. I know I'm wrong, and I don't need a, a spouse telling me I'm wrong. I don't need God telling me I'm wrong. You know what? I'm trying to figure out how to make wrong right so that I can feel good about myself. That's the world. He says, you come into this world, and you are married to the law. You are never right. You are always wrong. That spouse is always right, and it's going to catch you in every situation. What a horrible place to live. But once you get born again, once you take the desire and ability that God gives you to surrender your life to him, now all of a sudden, all right, let's see if this is going to work here without popping. Once you give your life to Christ, you are now married to Christ. You're married to him. And, and, and this marriage is over. All right. Well, let me ask you a question. Does God allow you to divorce the old law to marry him? Is that the word? No. How do you how do you get rid of the first marriage? Hey, Scott, you and Erica are married, right? Uh, till till death. What? Yeah, dude. So divorce ain't legal. Murder is. I'm just saying. But uh, no. But but if if uh, covering it with the blood of Jesus, if one of you were to pass away, are you still obligated to be married to that other person? No, no, you're not. And so again, it's the same way here. Some of y'all are like, no, that ain't what I told my husband. You're never getting married. I'm coming back to haunt you if you ever talk about war. No, biblically, till death do us part. That's it. And, and so in this, when you're married to the law, what has to happen, it's, it's not a divorce. You have to die. Christ, you die. So when you give your life to Jesus Christ, what happens is everything that happened to him now happens to happen to you. It counts. So when he went to the cross, we learned in chapter six, he took you with him. And so when he died, you died. Your old man died. When you give your life to Christ, the old man is gone. You know what this is? This ain't the old man no more. There's no power. Marley, is there any power in that? No, man, dude, it's just some flesh. The only way this is going to have power again is if you give it power, but it has no power. So when you give your life to Christ, now you become alive in Christ. And this is who you are married to. You are not married to the law. So you're like, oh, I don't have to keep the law? I don't have to obey the law? Sean's over there as a lawyer. He's like, wait, wait, you still got to obey the law. No. So there's a difference between obeying the law and loving the person when you love christ he's going to lead you to obey the law and, and you know what the problem was over here in this old marriage that you had hang on let me get back to this old marriage here some of y'all might be able to identify with this i don't know you know from your neighbors not you obviously all right but man when you were married to this person they were always right right sean were they always right they were right and you were always wrong and 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 could they help you be right no the law has no power to help you be right the law says you're wrong you're always wrong this is right you're always going to mess up and guess what you're on your own dude and i'm expecting perfection that is the marriage to the law that's what god requires is perfection but the law cannot help you become perfect the law doesn't give you any power the law just says, here's what's expected. Perfection. Chuck, perfection. Here it is. Good luck. <laughs> I can't help you, man. In fact, there's no help for you, bro. You're already, it's gone. You're guilty. You're guilty. So again, when you give your life to Christ, what ends up happening is when you give your life to Christ, he kills this old man. He's gone. The old man is gone. 
You got the flesh still. Remember we talked about you being a, a pig, uh, and then you get a new nature as a cat, but you still got your pig body, <laughs> right? That's, that's the old flesh. There's no power in it. But here, now your new spouse, Christ, check this out. Your new spouse says, hey, this is the right. Let me ask you a question. Is Christ always right? He's always right. Always right. And, but you know why it doesn't bother you that he's always right? Is because he gives you the ability to do what's right. The law could not do anything. The law just said, dude, you're sorry dog. <laughs> you keep messing up. And, and you're not, there's, there's nothing good in you. You'll never do the right thing, you big loser. How's that for a marriage? <laughs> because that's who you come into the world married to, the law. And all it does is convict you. All it, it's a mirror. Again, we've looked at this before. How many of y'all looked into a mirror today? Looked into a mirror today? Right, right, right. You looked into a mirror, Gladys. And did you see anything wrong when you looked in the mirror this morning? Okay. And, and did you take, and so was your hair messed up? A little bit, right? Did you take the mirror off the wall and use the mirror to comb your hair and make your hair? No, the mirror only reveals things. It does not fix things. And that's what the law does. The law reveals, says, you are messed up. And you're like, I agree. What do I do? Well, there's nothing you can do about it. You're a loser. That's what the law does. And we're going to find out later. In fact, we're not going to get to it today, but verses 7 on to like 14, 15, 16 basically says the law is a good spouse. You're just the sorry, the law, law is a, is a great mate. You're just the sorry spouse. <laughs> that, that's what, that's what the law says. I don't want to be married to the law. I want to be married to Christ because what Christ does is Christ says, hey, you know what? This is wrong. And you're like, I know I messed up. He's like, hang on. I am going to show you through the law and through my grace, grace, the definition of grace is the desire and ability to do what God wants you to do. That's Philippians 2. You go read it in there. And that's what grace is. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's not something you earn. Not like, okay, well, I'll be good. I'll bake you cookies, and then you do this for me. Or I'll, I'll give you a back rub, and you do that for me. Or I'll do, you know. How, how many of y'all make deals in your marriage? <laughs> yeah, you guys have been married long enough to just admit it, right? Some of the others are like, no, no, you're blowing my cover. They already know. <laughs> Love is just doing it, man. And that's what Christ does for us, unconditional agape love. He's like, man, I want you to do the right thing, and I'm going to give you the desire to do the right thing. I'm going to give you the ability to do the right thing. He doesn't call us losers. He calls us winners. The law says you're a loser. And you're like, I know, I'm a loser. I'm messed up. Help! And he's like, I got help. Get, surrender this old life. Die to this old life and get this new life and be married to me. It will be the best marriage ever. What if your spouse was like, you know, spouse was like, you didn't make the bed again. <laughs> you know, and you didn't do this again. You didn't do that. You know, and, and, and what, what, what if the spouse, now they're right. There are things we were supposed to do, right? But what if the spouse said, hey, you know, this needs to be done. And magically was able to give you the power and desire. And you're floating through the air, making the bed now. Woo! And cooking dinner, flipping burgers. What? Woo! Yeah, you know. Again, I'm being facetious, but literally, that's what it is like married to Christ. Married to Christ, he gives us the desire to do the right thing. The law shows us what the right thing is. But Christ gives us the desire. He shows us through the law what the right thing is to do. He gives us hope that we can do it, not in our own strength, but in his strength. So it's about a relationship with him instead of a bunch of rules that we're trying to carry out in our own power. So a practical sense of all of this, let's say you come up against a hard thing in business and life and the day, and you're like, this is the right. And again, we still have the old flesh. We don't have the old man, no power. We have the old flesh. And, and the old flesh, we can feed it again and do the wrong thing. Because how many of y'all ever try to do the right thing in your own strength? Anyone? Yeah, we do that all the time. And when you catch yourself doing it, you're already, God, because you're married to him, he's saying, he's saying, man, here's the right thing. Oh, wait, let me go do it here. And much. I failed again. It's like, well, duh. What I want you to do is, Jesus, I love you. I'm married to you. I want to please you. 
It's not over here that I want to do the right thing. I got to do the right thing. I got to. Yeah. What happens if all you think about is the rule? What's going to happen if all you think about is the rule? There was a uh, hotel I read about in Florida. I don't know where it was. Probably. Imagine it up near Swanee, somewhere up around y'all, where they had a, a, like a, a hotel, three or four story hotel right on the river. And, and people started fishing off their dock. I mean, off their balcony. They would like go out to their little condo and then they would just start fishing off their balcony. Well, as people did that, you can imagine there's problems. So they made a rule. How they made a rule, they said, no fishing off the balcony. What kind of problem do you think they now had? What do you think everybody started doing? Whoa, what a great idea, you know? And that's what he's going to tell us in Romans 7, what the law does. You focus on the law, you're going to fail. You focus on the law that this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to. Dude, I was so tempted to take something and paint it and put wet paint sign on it. How many of you already know you would have touched it to see if it was wet? I could have picked y'all out. The rest of y'all are liars, and you'd have done it in secret. You'd have been going, <laughs> There's something about our rebellious nature. And all we have left now is our old flesh. That if we feed it, it's going to grow. But this is our new nature that says, dude, if God says it's wet, don't touch it. Don't touch it. There's something better to touch over here. But the law is like, yeah, but I really want to kind of touch that. And so, again, you know that hotel? They said the way they got rid of, well, if they put up a sign and said no fishing off the balcony and everybody started fishing off the balcony now, what do you think would be the solution to getting people? Abby, what do you think the solution would be to get people to not fish off the balcony? Yeah, or take the sign down. Yeah, they, yeah everybody can fish off the balcony. Well, it ain't no fun no more. Yeah, they took the sign down and the problem went away. That's human nature, and that's the old flesh that this world wants to feed that Satan has created in this. So again, the point I want to make to you today is when you're born again, you come into this world married to the law. You're always wrong. You don't even have the ability to do what's right. And every time you mess up, your spouse, the law, is going to let you know it is a horrible, miserable life. And when you realize that's what it is, you don't want to go to church. You don't want anything to do with it. In fact, you'd rather create a whole new religion where you can make your own set of rules, and that's not true. But guess what? If God says that's true, that's what's true, whether you believe it or not. And that's why the world's miserable. The solution isn't to do that. The solution is to come and get out of Adam's family and into Christ's family, to be born again and be married to Christ. And when you're married to Christ, yes, he tells you what's the right thing to do. But he gives you the power and ability to do it. And he does it with you because he's in you. It's truly that fellowship that you're supposed to have with a spouse where two become one. It's the most beautiful, intimate thing there is in having a marriage with Christ. We are the bride. He is the groom. And that's how it's going to be, how it's going to work. Now, let me show you scripture and let's back all this up. All right, because I, I wanted you to get this idea that you are married to the law when you come into this world. You are always wrong and you really are always wrong and you're always going to have conviction. You're never going to be right. What a dissatisfying life. What's got to happen is you get born again and you marry Christ. Now, he is going to give you whatever he says. Man, here, I want you to do this. Trent, I want you to do this. I want... And you're like, Lord Jesus, help. All of a sudden, it's not, oh, hey, let me, uh, what, you and JJ, all right? How long y'all been married? 10 years, right? All right, and let's just pretend that this book is not the Bible. I won't lose your place here. But this is the marriage book, okay? These are, these are 45 chapters on how to have a successful marriage according to the law, right? All right, so, all right, chapter one, section one. When you get up, you have to have a smile on your face and you have to look as beautiful as you can for your husband and you have to say, good morning, dear, I love you and can't wait to spend my whole day with you. Uh, is, that's the rule. So here's what it is. You get up in the morning, you're like, all right, JJ, JJ, chapter one, the book. I'm trying to get the book right. Not my relationship with you, but I'm trying to get the book right. JJ, good morning, dear. <laughs> I hope you have a great day. I'd love to spend the rest of wait, the rest of my day with you. <laughs> and and oh, oh, 
section two, I, I'm supposed to make you breakfast. Hey, dear, what kind of breakfast do you want? <laughs> How many of y'all want to be in a relationship? It's about a relationship with a book and not a relationship with a living set with a real person. And again, I'm going to throw this out at you. I'm going to throw this because this is what a lot of relationships have become, including our relationship to Christ. You know, when you love the word of God more than you love the God of the word, it's called legalism. And then when and, and so what's got to happen in this, it's it, 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 you can you can the Pharisees. That's what the problem was. When God came, they loved the word of God. They loved their Jewishness. They loved everything about it, and, and they had it down. They invested their life into it, and then God Almighty came in the flesh and said, you're doing it wrong. What'd they say, Andy? Huh, no way. And they crucified him. They had no relationship with the living God. They had a relationship. They had a relationship with the Word of God, but not with the God of the Word. You can have a relationship with the Word of God without having a relationship with the God of the Word. But you cannot have a relationship with the God of the Word without having a relationship with the Word of God. That makes sense, because in the Word of God, when you have a relationship. You know, how do you know what in the world to do to, to, to make a successful marriage with JJ? Do you, what if you never spend time with him? Would you have any clue? You're like, dude, I spend time and I still don't have a clue. <laughs> no, y'all doing a great job, man. But you got to spend time. You spend time, you develop a relationship and you find out what pleases that person. And so God, even in the first commandment, Chuck, what was the first commandment? Don't have any other gods beside me because why? Why don't I have any other gods? There are no other gods. And then second, he says, dude, do not make any statues of me. But wouldn't that be cool if Chrissy comes home from work one day and you made a statue of her? <laughs> would she absolutely love that? <laughs> would you love that or would you love him to really implement some of the things you've been hinting at? <laughs> yeah, the second one. And that's what God said in the second commandment. He said, don't make any statues of me. First of all, you're going to grossly, I, I don't, I didn't even tell you anything about my image. You only want this physical image because it's tangible. Instead, I want to reveal myself to you through my character, through my word. So that the way you become like me is you act like me and how I revealed that. And that's what he wants us to. He reveals who he is through that. But it's only uh, and when you're married to the law. Sean, when you're married to the law, you can't do it. You have no ability to fulfill the law until you marry Christ. And then you understand and he empowers you through grace. But it's not about the law. It's about being married to Christ. And I don't know if that makes, is that revolutionary in your life or not? I want you to think about that in mine. I've had a hard time for a long time understanding all of this law and you know, all these things. But there's a difference of being married to Christ and married to the law. And I fear that many churches, many believers, many people are married either to a law or they're even married to a church of how they do it. Because isn't that what Matthew 7 says? Matthew 7, you hear me refer to it a lot. It's where Jesus is dividing people up and people who are church people are getting put in a different line and like, whoa, 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 wait, wait. Hey, didn't I prophesy in your name? Who's doing that? Church people or non-church people? Church people. That's how I know this is church people. Not the body of believers, the true believers who have a relationship with Christ, but people who have a relationship to a religion or to a or 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 or, or to something else. He he says, they said, whoa, didn't I prophesy in your name? Whoa, didn't I do great mighty miracles in your name? Oh my goodness, didn't we cast out demons in your name? And what did Christ say to him in chapter 7? Be gone from me, you workers of lawlessness. Wait, we were doing what the law said. You workers of lawlessness, be gone from me. Because you and I never, because you and I never had an intimate relationship. So again, if you have the intimate relationship, will you be doing the law, Michelle? If you have an intimate relationship, will you be doing what God wants you to do? Yes. But just be, but if all you have is this marriage to the law, dude, you're going to get it wrong. And you're going to, and she's going to let you, the, the, they're going to let you know. You're going to be, uh, you're going to know. Oh, I left my stuff over here when I, yeah. So in this, check this out in scripture. If you don't forget anything else, you go to sleep right now. I want you to think about, I'm like, you gotta go to sleep because dude, how you close your eyes, bro, I'm gonna ask you a question. But if I ask you a question, bro, hey, everybody help Hal out, man. What's the answer? If I ask you a question, you're like, 
God! All right, I'll make sure that's the answer to the question, Hal, all right? So, anyways, all right. So here we go. The difference, he, the, the point I want you to hear is do not, you are not, once you're born again, married to the law. It's not about opening the word of God. Oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. Will you do it? Yeah, it is about, please don't give me, misunderstand me. I am not saying, you know, I am a huge proponent of the word of God. It is our final authority. It is all we have that is truth. It's everything, but just how you approach it. And again, the Pharisees, the league, biggest legalists there ever were, were people that were more in love with the, the word of God than the God of the word. If you are in love with the God of the word, you're going to do what the God of the word wants you to do in the word of God. But the opposite is not always true. So again, check this out. When you're married, period, to whoever you're married to, he starts off in Romans 7, uh, uh, verses 1 through 3, and he says, till death do us part. And he's really, so this is not a section where we do a marriage conference off this little section. Oh, well, here's some of God's rules for marriage. No, not really. It's one little rule in here, and the, and the rule is, is that, hey, Amy, once you die, Tom, the, he can do whatever he wants, man. But until this time, while you're alive, you guys are married, right? Okay, I, I thought so. I'm just checking. I've known you a long time, man. You're one of the first ones to ever be at Driftwood back in the day. And uh, in fact, Tom made our first bulletins for us, but that's another story. I love him for that. But you guys are married right now. So if all of a sudden, if, if Tom wants to have a side chick, you know, a couple side chicks, man, different towns. He's got all these other, oh, look at him. You're going, hmm. It, well, that would be called adultery, right? Because he's in a contract. He's in a deal. He's in a covenant with you. But once you die, he's no longer bound to that. And that's what this, that's the only principle he's making here when he tells us that we are, we are in a marriage with the law. He said the only way to get out of this marriage with the law is for you to die. And that's what's going to happen when you give your life to Christ. Check this out. All right, so it's not a marriage conference. These are not even things... Yes, he's not going against any principle of Scripture, but the point is he's using an illustration to say, look, death to us part. And when you die, you can get out of that marriage and you're free to marry somebody else. But if you marry somebody, it wouldn't. Dude, if Tom, like, married somebody else right now, that would, well, you'd have to change religion. Sorry, you can't do it as, like, driftwood, you know. But, but yeah, that would be, a, it would be adultery. But once somebody passed away, they're no longer bound by that. And that's what he's telling us is true about the law. So check this out in this. Till death does part, he says, so Paul comes in in verse, chapter 7, verse 1. He says, or do you know brothers? He's talking to believers, and this includes sisters also, okay? Do you not know brothers in Christ? For I am speaking to those who know the law that the law is binding on a person so only long as he lives, all right? So um, any law is, is binding if somebody lives. Terry, if you die, do you have to obey the speed limit anymore? No, praise God, and in heaven, it's going to be Audubon, man, right? Is that right? Yeah, no snowbirds to get in front of you, and if there are, you will have a special helicopter, falcon, It'll be so cool. Maybe he'll put snowbirds in front of you just so you can implement that helicopter jet thing, man. That would be cool in there. But in, in, when you die, you don't have to obey the law anymore. That's even talking about human law here. When you die, you're not bound by a law anymore. So that's what he says. Don't you know, brothers in Christ, I'm speaking to those who know the law. That the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. So even the law of God. Let me ask you a question. What, have no other gods before me. You know, don't make any statues of me. Don't take the Lord's name in vain, which, by the way, let me hit this super quick. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. You know what vain means? Vain means worthless. That's what it means. It means worthless. So don't make the, name, the Lord's name worthless. Many believers think if they don't add something at the end of God, then they don't take the name of the Lord in vain. But any, you represent God. Don't you, Pittsburgh, Rob? You represent God. Yeah. Don't you, Baltimore, Judy? No, just not so many. We got a couple snowbirds here, man. I mean, not snowbirds. You guys are, are uh, what are they called? 
yeah, snow flurries, not snowflakes anymore. Because you used to be a snowflake or a flurry, and then now you are a transplant. You're a floor, right on. Yeah, so, so, so again, God, what was I talking about? Help me out. Help me out before I got on that. Oh, the Lord's name in vain, yes. So, so again, you take the, to make it worthless, you're making God's name worthless, all right? That's not just adding some cuss word to God's name. Any, you represent God, and anything you do that makes his name worth less, get it? Anything you do that makes his name worth less, like maybe not obeying, like maybe misrepresenting, like doing something that would not be of his character, you know? That anything you make to do that makes his name worth less, that's taking the Lord's name in vain. Instead of making his name worth less, Charlie, what would, what would you want to do? You make his name worth more. So taking his name in vain is anything you do to make his wor name worth less. Not taking the name's Lord in vain is doing things to make his name worth more. So when you go make choices in life, to ask yourself, what would make God's name worth more as opposed to worth less? So he says, you do not know, brothers, I'm speaking to those who know the law. All these laws, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. So when you die, you're not even bound by God's law at that point. Now, there's principles that come in place, and you, we know what word that God says about eternity. But again, it's like he's saying, when you die, you don't have to obey the law anymore. But you're really probably not going to violate the law anymore. There's not much you can, you're, you're, you're probably, it, it, it's over. That earthly law is done once you die. Now he goes in and uses the illustration about marriage. He says, so a married woman is bound by law to her husband. Wow, what? While she's alive or while he lives or she lives, whatever. And, and again, so he's just using an illustration to say, you're only married as long as you're alive. So if you really want out, you can die. <laughs> you can die. That's another alternative. You can die. But he's really talking about how we die to ourselves and we and and we now get married to Christ. That that's the only way out is to die to yourself so you can live for Christ. So a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. Amy, you're stuck with him while he lives. All right, <laughs> all of us. I, I'll quit picking on you guys. All right, I'll pick on somebody over here in a minute. But I picked on picked on you enough here. All right, for a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she's released from the law of what did he say? So he's talking about marriage, and he's talking about a human law. So you can understand he's making a point. So if the man dies, she is not bound by the law of marriage at this point in this. All right. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband's alive. Yeah, that's unless you're a Mormon, it's polygamy, but it's still adultery according to God's word. That's the point. And so, but if her husband dies, she's free from that law of marriage. And if she marries another man, she's not an adulteress. So the only way out is not divorce, it's death, right? Emily, Skylar, you guys are the freshest ones yet. I, I, I think you guys, Lori, you and Steve are going to be next, right? All right, man. And, and again, and until death do us part, I pledge, come on, Skylar, I pledge to you my love. Yes. I, say it to her, man. Let me just see you say it. Just say, say, until death do us part, I pledge to you my love. Woo! <laughs> Oh, that makes her daddy feel really good, man. I heard you say it before, but <laughs> just checking again, all right? <laughs> so that's what he's saying. Uh, he's like, all right, so, so when, you know, she's married, you know, you get the whole idea. It, but once you die, that's the way out of marriage. Please do not take this in any other way, okay? I will not be called into a court of law and be responsible for any of your boneheaded decisions to get out of a marriage or advice you give to your neighbors, all right? That's not what it's about. He's telling us that's the way it is when you die, you're no longer bound by those marriage rules. But again, this is what happens. We come into this world married to the law. How many of y'all want to be married to the law? Matthew, do you always want to be wrong and really be wrong? And the law always catches you doing wrong. And the law, and it's always right. And there's nothing they can do. And they're like, yeah, you're wrong. You're always wrong, you big loser. And there's nothing I can do to help you. Sorry, pal. Is that who you want to be married to? 
Or do you guys want to be married to Christ that says, here's the way to have an abundant life. Here's the way to be successful. Here's the way to have love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. And I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to help you have it. I'm going to, in fact, give you everything you need to have it. You can't have it without me. And as you get closer to me, we will walk in it together. Don't ever think you're going to, you have to go through that law to get to me. You got to go through me to get to the law. Does that make sense? We've got it so backwards so often in this performance-oriented theology because that's the way our world operates. He said, marry me and you got it all. Follow me and do not feed this flesh. Don't feed the flesh because it'll grow and you'll forget you ever even had Christ. So, man, as long as she's married, dude, she's, she's in that relationship. But if he dies, she's free to move on. So it's an illustration. So when we come to Christ, our old self died with Christ on the cross. That's what we learned in Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll see it again in 7. That if, if I were to take this book, and I'm going to take your book again, and I were to put this phone in this book... Where is the phone going to go? Wherever the book goes. If I sit, mail this book to China, where will the phone go? If I have it mailed back, where is the, the phone going to go? It's going to go wherever the book is because the phone is in the book. We are in Christ. And he doesn't live by time. So what he said is when you, uh, you come into me, when you're born again, I am in you and you are in me. And, and it has no time boundaries. I take you back to the cross and I, you die with me. Your old Adam dies with me at the cross. And that's not even the good news because what happened three days after his death, Kathy? He rose. And so if this book rises, what do I get to do? I rise again in newness of life with resurrection power. And that's what the book of Romans is about. You were married to the law and you, you gave your life to Christ. He put you in him. He died. He rose. And now you get to live over here on this victorious side in his resurrection power. Amen. Is that not good news? Amen. And instead of the way we often do it where we're over here like, Oh, God, I'm not allowed to do this, am I? Oh, I can't do this. Oh, I blew it. I didn't do what I wanted to do, and I did what I didn't want to do. How many of y'all hit yourself in the forehead in the last week or so doing that? Oh, I did it again. I can't stop. I can't. Because you're feeding the flesh. The more you realize and live in glory in the marriage you have in Christ, the less you will, you will do the things of the flesh. In fact, he says when you walk in the Spirit, there's no possible way to fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's one or the other. So when we came to Christ, our old self died with Christ on the cross, freeing us from our first marriage. How many of y'all are glad you're not married to the law anymore? Scott, are you glad you're not married to the law? You're always wrong, and you really are. And it's all Your spouse is always right, and there's nothing you can ever do to be right. You want out of that? you got to die to yourself. And you go get married to Christ. And in that, you're still wrong. And he's always right. But he gives you the ability to be right. And as we live in him, we're right. And we enjoy that union until one day when we get to heaven and we totally lose this. And we're in glory. And we're like God in perfection. Chuck, can you believe that one day you're going to be really perfect? Can you believe your brother's going to be perfect one day? Yeah, yeah. You only believe it because you have faith. Yeah, it's not by feelings. <laughs> yeah, it's by faith. Yeah. And that's every one of us, man. So, man, look at this. I'll, I'll show this to you in Scripture. Here it comes. In this. Oh, hang on. I'm, I went too far. Oh, yeah. So, again, this time he's allowed us to be married to Christ. So, check this out. Okay, Jake, let me. Uh, okay, there we go. Likewise, my brothers, you also have what? Died to what? Brandon, if you died to the law, are you still married to the law? No, you're out of it. This is the ultimate divorce, dude. There's no alimony, palimony. There's no, there's no nothing that goes with this. When you die to the law, it's gone. It's done. You owe it nothing. It owes you nothing. You're done. 
So my brothers, you have also, you have died to my brothers. These are people who were born again. He says, you have died to the law through the body of Christ. So Christ died. And what we learn in Ephesians or in, in, in Romans chapter six is that when he died, you died. And that's what he's saying again. He said, you did this, you died through the body of Christ. When the body of Christ died, if you're in him, what happened to you? You died, all right, through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another. What does that mean? So you can do what now? Now that your old husband's dead, what can you do? You can get married to a new one. And this one's much better, husband, wife, spouse. Let's just say spouse, all right? So nobody thinks I'm talking about anybody in this, but it's spouse. You can now get married to a spouse that's always right, but has the ability to really make you always right. That's way better than a spouse that's always right, that's always making you wrong. <laughs> Which one you want? And understand that if you are born again, this is who you're married to. You're not married to the law. Oh, God, I got to please the law. I got to please the law. I got to do this. I got to do. No, you please Christ. What would make you happy? What would please you? My wife, I've been married to her for 34 years. I want to please her. And because I like food, one of my ways to please her and my family and serve them is to cook for them. Right? I love to cook for them. And I really enjoy cooking. Sometimes I get it right. Sometimes I get it wrong. But you see, they ain't, they ain't malnourished. All right? It's all good. But... But man, how would I please my wife when I cook for my wife? What would I do? What would I do, Ashley? I cook what she likes. And my wife hates seafood, just like Ashley does. And I know y'all pray for them, all right? Seriously. They hate seafood. So I invite them over, like, whoo, I got this low country boil, baby. And I dump out all the shrimp and crawfish. And, oh, and I got snapper on the grill. And my whole house smells like fish. Woohoo! How many of y'all would be cool with that? Yeah, buddy. But would that be what pleases her? No. In fact, she'd probably, like, leave. <laughs> and she'd never come back because you don't, you don't even get that smell out of your walls, all right? That's a good thing about it. I'm just saying. But I got to know what pleases her. That's what, now that I'm married to Christ, I got to look into the word, not so I can, oh no, so I don't get a spanking for this, oh, so I can do, so I can obey the law. I'm married to the law. I, got, I can't, oh, I lied again, I lied again. And it's not because you broke the law that it should bother you. It's because you broke the heart of the one that loves you. Your goal is to please him, not obey the law. When you're focused on obeying the law, man, if I had a button here, a big button that says do not push, and every two minutes I'd be like, oh, don't push, don't push. Sean would have already been up here stomping on that button, man. If you focus on the law, you're going to break it. You've got to focus on your relationship with Christ and know what pleases him. And when you know it, please him and you're in love with him. Don't we do crazy stuff for people we're in love with? Yeah. Man, when I was a youth pastor and I had a thousand students, this was in Orlando, and I'd be sitting in my office and they put me in an office where I could see all the kids change schools. We had a school with 700 kids in it also. And I had other kids that didn't, obviously were public school, homeschool, everything else. And I would watch kids and when I would see a new hairstyle from a guy, or I would see different clothes. I'd see something different about him. I'd be like, oh, I know what happened to him. What happened to him, Terry? He got him a girlfriend. Yeah. Like, you were making fun of kids for wearing their hair like that. <laughs> now you're doing it. What's the deal, man? Well, when you're in love, you do cry. You would never have wore clothes like, where'd you get those shoes, man? That ain't who you are. It is now. Because <laughs> you do crazy stuff for someone you're in love with. We had rules for dress code, man. We had strict rules for dress code, you know? But the kids only obeyed those because they had to. In fact, even me, I used to try to, okay, well, I got to wear shoes, but I, it doesn't say I have to wear socks, you know? It's like, whatever. It's we're always looking for the loophole when all we're trying to do is obey. But when we're trying to please somebody, when we're in love with somebody, 
Man, it's like, whoa, what pleases him? What can I do for you? What would you like me to do for you? How would you like me to serve you? How can I worship you? And by the way, this is convicting because the word of God in Ephesians says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church in that. But that's how Christ loves us. He wants to equip us to do the right thing. He can give us power to do the right thing. How many of y'all need power to do the right thing? You can't do it on your own. And that's what it was like back when you were married to the law. You're not married to the law. You're married to Christ. You're not married to a book. You're married to a husband. You know? How would you like if Jaden is like, well, all right. So the kids have been rough. Let's see. Section 22.32. All right, well, I really don't want to take the kids off your hands, but I'm going to take them to the skate park, all right? It, 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 I'm just as tired and sick as you are, but I'm going to take them, all right? You know, because the book says i got to do it. How, how does that make you feel? As opposed to JJ coming in and saying, oh, man, what can I do to serve you? You're like, get the kids out of here. <laughs> Send them over to Lucas's house. <laughs> like, that goes both ways, doesn't it, Sean? Yeah. And, and I can tell a lot about y'all when y'all start sending kids back and forth. All right? But, but yeah, it, what's better? Man, I love you. Please let me help you. Let me take the kids. Oh, well, here it says I have to do this. And then I got to get home and feed you. Well, what do you want me to pick up? Chick-fil-A? There's a lot of love in that. <laughs> or would you like, you know, let me make your favorite meal that's going to make you. Would that not make you feel better? Because love went into it. Do you see the difference between having a relationship, being married to Christ and being married to the law? Don't be married to the law. You're not married to the law. If you're married to the law, you might not even really love Christ. Isn't that in the book of Revelation when he hits the seven churches? At the very beginning, real letter to seven churches, <coughs> seven different issues. And the very first church was what? The church of what? Ephesus. And he said, dude, you guys got rock climbing walls in your children's ministry. <gasps> you have bounce houses. You have this. You have serving ministries. You got this ministry. You guys are awesome and have all these. Man, look at your buildings. Look at your people. Look at all this ministry going on. But I have one thing against you. What was the one thing? You lost your first love. Very first thing he brings up. It's possible to love ministry more than the man who made it all possible. It's possible to go through the motions, but the very most important thing is that love, that marriage to Christ. He said, here's what I want you to do. You're going through the motions. You're doing a lot of good things, but you know what? You're supposed to love me, and that flows out of a love for me. It's not just going through the motions, because going through the motions is not going to make love flow the other way. And that's what's so frustrating of legalism, because you bust your butt trying to do the right thing. You bust your butt trying to keep God's law, trying to do it. In, and, and dude, you keep it for 23 hours and 59 minutes. And then all of a sudden you blow it, Sean. How do you feel? What the heck? I've done this for five days straight. I quit. When in reality, over here, God will be going, dude, you did it for 24 hours or 23 hours and 59 minutes. Awesome. We're going to get that other minute out of it. And when you follow me, it's all going down. It'll be awesome. I'll empower you to do it. What a difference between knowing you're married to Christ and being married to the law. Besides, if you're married to how you're married, you're, you're married to Gladys, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How long y'all been married? All right. That's, I'm not trying to get you in trouble. I know you're, you're a numbers guy, so you should know this stuff, right? You know, yeah, if, she, if she's married to you, but yet she keeps going and checking out her old boyfriends from high school over in Okeechobee, man, dude, how do you, how you think about that? And if you don't have the right answer, don't answer that. No, I'm just saying, I was like, well, seriously, your wife's out checking out the guy she went to high school with, the guy she went to, she's checking out the neighbors and hanging out with them. It's like, whoa, wait, wait, but that's you. You're married. Who are we married to, y'all? Christ. And every time we go back, he's a jealous God. And he's like, but I love you. I love you. Come be with me. The results, everything's better. 
realize you're married to me and you're not married to the law. For while we were living in the flesh, is this the next verse, J.D., or did I just push things? Okay, all right. Did, did we get four? Oh, you're sure? Let me just look, because I'm OCD, dude. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the, oh, you're right, through the law, through the body of Christ, so that you're always right. Oh, it's like being married to the law. No. <laughs> I feel for you, Ashley, because you're like me, right? <laughs> All right, so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead. Look, look no, no, we weren't done with this. No, no, we were not done with this. Law. No, I just like, that's the way. <laughs> Oh, no, if we just end here, this is pretty good stuff right here. Look, likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ when you got saved so that you may belong to another. And uh, Amanda, who is it you're going to belong to? Listen, listen, listen. Tell me. I'll give you a hint. It's in Scripture. I'll tell, tell me who this is. That you can belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead. Who's that? God. Yes, yeah, Christ. Yes. So you have been, you have been killed with Christ. So is it a good thing Christ died? Yeah, because you got to die with him. So you could get out of this wretched marriage you were in. And now you can belong to another. And the one that you can belong to is the one who was raised from the dead. And when he was raised from the dead, who was raised with him? Me and you. And we have that resurrection power. And here's the purpose of it. Look what he says is the purpose, y'all. In order that we may what? Bear fruit of God. In fact, later, maybe we'll see this in the next verses or whatever, but I don't know, it might come later, but it's going to come later, that in your old life when you were married to the law, you, you just bared the fruit of garbage, unrighteousness, because you always got it wrong. But when you got saved now, you have been raised with resurrection power, Abby, not your old power. You got God's power. Have you seen God do something through you that you're like, whoa, yeah. Isn't that a cool thing, JT? When God does, says something or does something, it's like, whoa, who's that? I know who that was, but it wasn't me. <laughs> That's a cool thing, isn't it? That's the resurrection power so that you can bear fruit for God. That's how you know you're saved, is you bear fruit for God. You have bared fruit for God. If there's no fruit, you're not saved. Because those who are saved bear fruit. You have no choice. You're married to him. Fruit gets bared. You know? <laughs> Did that make sense? Probably not. <laughs> some of y'all are going to give me some grammatical, like, whatever. <laughs> some of y'all ain't going to bother no more. <laughs> All right. So look at this next verse. And we're almost done. For while we were living in the flesh. Oh, here it is. While we were living in the flesh, okay, and you now are married to Christ, and you still have the flesh. You don't have the old man. The old man actually had power. Now all the power in your life is in Christ. But if you choose to make wrong decisions, you can enable this flesh that has no power over you. In fact, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, here's what he says. There is no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able. But with the temptation, he will make a way to escape. So no matter what's going on, God's trying to empower you. God's trying. Over here, you got a temptation. First of all, who gave you the temptation, Austin? Who gave you the temptation? No, dude. What's the answer, everybody? Uh, on the count of what's the answer? Who gave you the temptation? God. Okay, the test. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Teach you for not paying attention here in church, man. Two goes down from your dad, your father. I mean, your, your, your girlfriends. I don't have the prophetic ministry, Terry. I'm sorry. I didn't, there was nothing in there other than, you know, if that were to happen. But <laughs> God, God allows us to be tempted. God led Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for 40 days. Satan's willing to participate. We talk all the time about God does the testing, the devil does the tempting, and we do the trusting in all of this. But if God allows you to be tempted, here's where I'm going. You're going to like this, man. All right. I know I did when I had unmarried daughters. All right. When God gives you a temptation, like just to eat all the ice cream and not share it with her or something, I'm just saying, you know. But when he gives you a temptation, he, he gives you a way to escape. What happens if you take your own way to escape? What? You fail! Yes! <laughs> what happens if you take his way? 
And so in order to take his way, you have to be in a relationship with him. And you say, oh, Jesus. How many of y'all ever said, oh, Jesus? You've been in a temptation. You've been in a temptation. How many of y'all have ever said, oh, Jesus? Jesus, the flesh is weak. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. Hold on to Jesus, man. And Jesus, give me what I need to do what you want me to do. Not run back over the law. Okay, okay, this verse on this thing says don't do it. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. How many of y'all have done that? And then guess what happened? What happens, Gabriel and Caitlin? Dude, you fail. But if you come, Austin, I'm just telling you, because you remember bullets move faster after midnight, right? I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, help me do the right thing. And will Emily... And Skyler, will Jesus help you do the right thing? Yes, he will. But you've got to come to him in that relationship. If you go to the book and look up the verse and the chapter and the, and, and the Greek and the Hebrew and the whatever, the and, and, dude, and you know the rule, the law is going to make you wrong. But a relationship with Christ is going to allow you to apply the law and be right because it takes grace to be able to do that. So you take his way, Austin, you're going to what? Succeed. That's it. And you do that by saying, oh, Jesus. <laughs> All right. Let me hear you say that, bro. Here, here, hug this balloon. Just say, oh, Jesus. There you go. All right. That, my friend, is going to keep you out of more trouble than anything in life. And everyone, that's going to keep, oh, Jesus, please. That's the difference between being married to Christ and married to the law, y'all. For while we're living in the flesh, our sinful passions arouse the law. Don't do this. Oh, I know what it says, but it, now the idea is in my head, and I'm going to try to justify it any way I can. Come back over here and say what, Austin? Oh, say it like you mean it. Oh, cause say it like her dad wants to hear it. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Seriously, there's a huge difference between that and this, isn't there? While we're living the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law. Don't do this. Well, duh, now you said it. I'm touching the, I'm not even going to touch the wet paint. I'm going to sit on it, you know. I'll deal with that later. Man, they're aroused by the law. We're at work in our, and they were, uh, we're at work in our members to bear the fruit of death. Will you live for if you're oh jesus in it you're going to bear the fruit of god the fruit of life if you're over here trying to overcome the flesh overcome the law you're going to bear the fruit of death which means you're not going to succeed look at the last verse here well second yeah last two verses second last but now now that we're saved we are released from the law having died to that which held us captive so that we we what we what we serve we serve. Is that not what love is? Well, just make me some breakfast, Dad. No, it's like, hi, honey. Can I do something for you? You're like, I'm, I'm meddling now, ain't I, man? No, it's like, but isn't love? Is love serving or being served? Let's ask the newlyweds. <laughs> is love? Is love serving or being served? It's serving, dude. And. and and it's not only serving because they're going to serve you back. Y'all start cutting deals, man. You're, you're already you're messed up. You just serve. And who do we serve? We serve God. Whatever you do, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, you do it wholeheartedly with everything you've got unto the Lord and not to man. Because that's where the reward's coming from. And God's always pleased whether nobody else is or not. But now we're released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in a new way. A new way, not the old way like, oh, no, don't steal, don't steal, don't lie, don't lie, don't kill. No, don't kill. But they said that's the way out of, out of the marriage. No, don't kill. We got a new way, the way of the Spirit and not the way of the old written code. And the way of the Spirit is you've got a Holy Spirit of God living inside you. The God that spoke this world into existence lives inside of you. The God that's keeping tiny molecules. Andrea, the God that's keeping the tiny molecules together. You guys live on a boat. Are you glad God's keeping the molecules together on your boat? 
Yes, that God. And he's the one who's keeping the most giant planets from crashing into your boat. Are you glad for that right now? Yes, that God is living in us with his resurrection power. We have what he has. We have to tap into it. We have to crucify the flesh. He never told us to crucify the old man because he was already crucified. But this little bit of flesh that the world keeps trying to get a hold of and sucker us in with the lust of the eyes, the lust of, of, the, of the, the flesh and the pride of life. Yeah, good. You guys have been listening, man. Good, because I forget what I said, man. But it's true, because it's the Word of God. That, it, the flesh gets suckered in on that, man. And, and so he says, man, there's a new way, the way of the Spirit and not the old way of the written code. You can look at just the written code without the Spirit of God in you, and you're going to be disobedient. But man, when you realize, Austin, what do we got to say? Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, man. Yeah. Terry, say it like you want to hear him say it. There you go. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. You got that now? You work on that while you're away at college this week, all right? There'll be a quiz next week. All right. So, man, you've got the new way. Oh, Jesus. And Jesus says, yeah, I got you, man. I ain't going there. And if you're with me, you ain't going there either. Did you get that? I ain't going there. So if you're with me, you're not going there either. So, man, we got a new way. He gives us power. And um, that's it. So focus in the temptations. Focus in life about a relationship with a living God. So you're married to Christ. You're not married to the law. And if you love Christ, if you love the God of the Word, you will love the Word of God. But if you love the Word of God, it's not always the case you're going to love the God of the Word. It should do that, but it only comes from having a thriving relationship with Him. Man, on the count of three, y'all help Austin out, okay? And, 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 and I just want, how many of y'all can picture this right now? How many of y'all picture this right now? How many of y'all think you're going to have an oh Jesus moment this week? Julia, running down past Oyster Ware, and all of a sudden, there's this little four-foot alligator. She texts me, oh, I saw my first alligator. And I'm like, oh, it ain't going to be your last, but <laughs> now it's going to be an eight-foot alligator. And they have signs, too. They say, hey, run in the grass. And that's where they're all at, but... Uh, but here you are, you're, you're running, and there it is, and all of a sudden you're, you're meditating and all prayer, and you look and you go, oh, Jesus, right? How many of y'all think you can have an oh, Jesus moment this year or this week? Yeah. So on the count of three, we're going to end here. On the count of three, I want to hear you, oh, Jesus, and we're going to pray. One, two, three. Oh, yeah, that's the key, guys. And when you're in love with him, man, you do crazy stuff for the person you're in love with. You just do it. Man, love's love, love knows no burden. And so you just do it. Man, that's what I want to hear you say in your head. I want to, even out your coworker in the cubicle, they're going to hear you say, oh, Jesus. And you go, what happened? <laughs> and then you have a chance to share the gospel with them. <laughs> but oh, Jesus. That's what we focus on. That's the difference between being married to Christ and married to the law. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Father, I'm grateful that you made this make sense to me. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit took it and made it make sense to everyone else in the way they needed it to. Because I know, Father, so often I get so beat down because... I forget that I'm not married to the law anymore. But this world is not your world. One day you'll take, take the deed back. We learn about that in Revelation. But for right now, Satan gets to run this world system under your authority. You're in total control. But this system is a system that feeds our flesh. We still have the flesh. That's why you tell us to crucify the flesh. Thank you that the old man is dead and all we have to deal with is the flesh. And we crucify the flesh by not obeying it. And remembering we're married to you. And we come and we hug you. And we just say, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, please help me do the right thing. Empower me to do what it is you want me to do. 
not just so I can do it, but I love you. The more I learn about how much you love me, the more I fall in love with you and the more I want to please you. Father, I pray if there's anyone here in danger of Matthew 7, you know their hearts. Even it might be somebody who thinks they've been saved for a long time. I don't know. I have no judgment in this. You know hearts. If there's somebody that still feels like they're married to the law and that they get to you through the law, Father, I pray you give them a desire that they can't refuse to surrender everything they know about themselves, everything they know about you, and fall in love with you and want to please you and then in turn be empowered to carry out the law. Father, one of the ways we can tell maybe is that we're not living in that marriage with you is that we keep beating ourselves down because we fail and we fail and we fail and we fail. But Father, I pray that we would just use these oh Jesus moments to get closer and closer to you and um, take the grace that you've given us to be able to apply it to our lives and to find true joy and love and peace, satisfaction out of our marriage with you. Father, if we have any performance-oriented theology in our hearts, Father, squash it, take it out with this word and help us again fall more in love with you as we learn about how much you love us. If there's somebody who's never given their life to Christ, they don't know they're going to heaven when they die, Father, I pray right now you would be so appealing. You'd give them a desire to surrender themselves to you and just say, oh, Jesus, I've been married to the law for so long and I'm tired of being defeated. I want to be married to you. Law's good, but the law can't help me. You're even better and you empower me. Father, I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.